Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Off the Pulpit. I'm Sylvia. I'm Carol. I'm Lena. And we are the wives of Eugene, Jason, and Tom here for a special episode. <laughs> How do you guys feel about that? I'm not sure if they really want us on this, but here we go. We're either going to get fired or this will never air. (laughs) One and only. (laughs) We'll see how it goes. (laughs) Well, um, to start us off, how about we introduce ourselves um, and how you guys came to meet or marry your husbands and what you guys currently do so that people don't know. We are not pastors, so what are you all up to? Lena, you want to go first? <laughs> sure. <laughs> um, How'd you meet Tom, Lena? How did I meet him? Okay, so we are soon celebrating our 12-year anniversary. Um, we met through a mutual friend back at a former church, and... Uh, after a Sunday service, we went to go study together at a coffee shop, and it just happened to be we seemed to click pretty well. Um, and after that, we kept meeting up. But that was right before I was set to go to China for a year. So um, we didn't DTR or anything. Uh, I just left thinking, well, you know, if it's meant to be, it's meant to be. No strings attached. And And it turns out while I was on missions, um, we kept in touch. Uh, I think he called like every week or two, and then I would email. Um, So we were pretty consistent in keeping in touch. And so after that year, um, I think both of us felt like, okay, this is something, something real. And when I got back to the States, we DTR'd, started dating. Four years later, we got married. And yeah, that's pretty much it. Oh, and what do I do? Mm-hmm. I am primarily a stay-at-home mom. Um, I have three kids, seven, five, and almost a year and a half. Um, but I also uh, do part-time work for our church as an education director. And you are formerly a teacher. Yes, I am. Middle school am. teacher. You were mm-hmm. working for how many years? 11 years as a middle school math teacher. Yeah. Wow. I retired very early. Mm. <laughs> We we teachers, former teachers, understand deeply. Yes, yes. <laughs> How long were you in China for, you said? Uh, 13 months. 13 months. Wow. wow. Yep. Nice. How about you, Carol? So, let's see. Jason and I met back in Philly. So, I was a freshman and he was a senior. But I grew up in Philly, so he came from out of state. Um I met him on the first day of like church. I decided to try out like our college church and got on the van and then they bust us down to like 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 the city of Philly and Jason was leading praise and I saw him and I was like gonna marry you. <laughs> <laughs> Fell in love with him. It was love, love at, at first sight. sight. <laughs> yeah, not for him though. Um but it's okay. I uh We just became friends and got close, but, like, I was literally that, like, freshman. I just followed him around, and I was just like, I love you. (laughs) And he's like, hey, okay, like, you know. um, 
Um, but he actually like um, went to grad school after he graduated, and I actually studied abroad. And then when I came back, I was like waitressing at a sushi restaurant on the main line, and like Jason and I kind of lost touch. You know, back then it's just like we it wasn't like a social media digital age, so it's like if we mm. don't keep in touch with email or something, like kind of like lose touch so I didn't even even know he like moved back to Philly so he was like last like 30 minutes left in my shift and I was like cleaning the soy sauce saucers and Jason walked in and my whole world I was like like, it was like my drama moment it really was I was like I ran into the bathroom and I had like an anxiety attack I was like I look so disgusting right now like shrimp tempura like all on my shirt and like you know it was just not cute but it was like I think it had been like a year and a half and that night he like asked me out to coffee and then we just reconnected and then I never let him go after that that's such an awesome story such a cute uh meet cute yeah Yeah, so oh my god it was like 20 years ago I met him when I was 17 so it was like heart eyes for him yeah um but right now I work in sales uh for like a fashion company so I do sales and uh like product development so yeah how long have you been doing that I think I've just been in fashion like since like I graduated so 2008 I was at like Mm -hmm. on the the publishing side and then I moved into like more of like the buying sales side Mm-hmm. after I moved to LA so yeah you guys are both so fashionable <laughs> Jason likes yeah, fashion Jason. too yeah I like dress him so it's it's fun he just does what I <laughs> tell him to wear but yeah he's, yeah he he does care he does care nice yeah well I don't have a cute um meet cute story for for myself i i met eugene when i was a freshman in college we were both freshmen in college through our campus ministry that we were both a part of and my first impression was not oh my gosh i'm gonna marry him it was like oh my gosh who is this kid who does he think he is (laughs) he was so loud and obnoxious as a freshman kid just like longboarding his way through campus and um he was just like the the, like the party starter like he was like the the rally guy he was just like pumping everyone up and he was really loud I'm more of like a shy reserved person and so very very opposite energy um but we had a friendship all the way through college and then we started dating our senior year um and we're so opposite that people thought it was a prank when we first started dating. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, you know, like the, you know, people were doing that thing on Facebook where they were switching the relationship status as like a joke mm-hmm. and people really thought we were joking around. So they were like, is this for real or is this like a joke? <laughs> because they were you like we- offended. You were like, oh my God. <laughs> I, I, I understood. I was like, I, I get it, guys. I know we've had this very complicated, like bickering friendship for years. And then it's all of a sudden like, I like you. <laughs> I was going to say, I would think people would think he's the one trolling and think <laughs> You know, because he's mm-hmm. the one that got lucky. So how, you know, how did all that change? And how did he snag such a good girl? <laughs> yeah. 
it's a yeah so our story is like very odd it just yeah very funny anyways um i was a former i'm a former teacher too so i taught uh, middle school english for eight years and then recently left the classroom um this past november and i am now serving um working full-time at church also like lena as our education director so a lot of similar things um passed down from the classroom um but very different environment and yeah i'm like learning and going with the flow but it's been fun yeah do you like working with your husbands that's funny like people are like so how does it feel to be co-workers with your husband i'm like it's great because we don't do anything together. <laughs> we, it's like, yeah. We're like doing separate things. <laughs> he goes to the office to work. I'm at home working most of the time. So we have like our own separate spaces. Um, but the only time we're like ever really collaborating or doing things together is during our staff meetings. And then everything mm-hmm. else is just kind of like in our own area. So it's all good. <laughs> yeah. How about you, Lena? Same, same. Yeah, we don't really work together together. I mean, he goes out, I stay home and do my work. And the only time we really are part of a team is our staff meetings. Mm -hmm. And usually I'm like the one that's, um, what's the the contrarian in the group, just because, you know, I'm so used to going against his opinion. So (laughs) I'm usually the one being like, stop. I don't know about that idea right now. You got to keep him humble. Yeah, so I have to keep them in check. <laughs> For sure. I mean, who else is going to, right? They'll be like, yeah, Tom, that's a great idea. We should totally do that. <laughs> like, no, no. <laughs> yeah, it's by God's grace. We don't have to really do much together. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I mean, it doesn't really feel much different, though, because it kind of, for us at least, um, it feels so familiar because of like, going to college together and just being in a studying environment together and so sitting there working together just kind of feels like the old days Hmm. um so guys do you listen to off the pulpit is this uh is this your favorite podcast show number one ranking (laughs) what are your candid thoughts about this show my number one ranking is dateline or 2020 (laughs) podcast true crime (laughs) um i feel bad I don't listen to off the pulpit. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I mean, like sometimes, like you know, if Jason's like, "Oh, did you hear it," but I, I'm guilty. I, I don't really listen. So. <laughs> Sorry. Is Jason cool with that, or is he like, you don't listen I mean, to my podcast? I think he would feel happy, but I don't. I think he understands. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I only listen to podcasts when I'm driving. So, hmm. yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Are you the same, Lena? I don't know if Off the Pulpit is my number one uh, subscribed podcast, but I have subscribed, so that's progress. Um, (laughs) There you go. And I think I hadn't listened to an episode for a while, but Tom kept guilt tripping me in front of other people. And so I, I finally started listening and I was like, oh, this is this is not bad. This is pretty, pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'd say I'd, I'd probably listen to like a good maybe half 50 percent of the episodes. Um, so I do like it when I listen to it. It's good. 
Um, but kind of like you, Carol, I, I will usually listen if I have a long chunk of time, but I mean, who has a long chunk of time doing the thing? <laughs> you know? yeah. So um, it's hard to find that time. Uh, and yeah, my one critique of their podcast is, dang, it's so long, like an hour and a half. Like, it's pretty long. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow. How do they have so much to talk about? It's amazing. It's mm-hmm. it's like their own therapy session. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I I've actually listened to every episode <gasps> of wow. Off the Pulpit. Oh, wow. Um, so Eugene better give me credit for that. Because <laughs> there was an episode where he was like, I don't know if Sylvia listens to this. And I was like, how dare you? I was listening to that episode <laughs> by myself. And I was like, how rude. I've listened to every single one. Um, so supportive. <laughs> yeah, it's honestly not to be so supportive, but it was just it, it's 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 like engaging. I don't know for me. Um, I I enjoy the conversations and I appreciate the candid thoughts, although some things are questionable. Uh, I mean, like as you guys think about being a pastor's wife and your journey up until this point, what has been the biggest surprise for you? If there is one, I think naturally, like for me, the most surprising aspect is probably the most difficult aspect of being a pastor's wife. Hmm. Um, For us, the biggest challenge is more so our marriage than anything. I think going into it, I thought it'd be like the church, it'd be um, some different aspects of ministry. But yeah, over the years, like the biggest struggle has been just being able to stay connected within our own marriage. And so, and and I know it's related to ministry and the pressures of ministry and whatnot, but yeah, I think it's been challenging to consider like, how can we stay connected? How can we continue um, like growing closer in the midst of it? Because actually both of us have a heart for ministry separately. So I thought, oh yeah, like that's per- perfect. You know, like we can do this together, but we were joking earlier, but like, even though we're in it together, we're also very much individuals doing our own respective ministries mm-hmm. within the church. Yeah. So I don't always feel like, oh, we're doing this together. We're actually kind of doing our own things, you know? Mm-hmm. Right. So that's, yeah, I guess that would be surprising as well. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Agreed. I don't think I really thought about this before becoming a pastor's wife but I don't think I really realized how once I'm the pastor's wife there's really nobody there to shepherd me like like we're not we're not the ones being shepherded by other people we're normally the ones doing that shepherding for others and so I think yeah once I moved up here to the Bay Area for this role um, that Eugene took as the associate pastor and then I was no longer under your care Lena um, you you and Tom um, just being under you guys from our college years just a little back context for people who don't know Um, and then coming up to a place where I'm like a fresh face a new person and I you know we're hired on as um, the pastor and, and the family And so, yeah, um, learning that was like, oh, shoot, there's like, I'm kind of the one people are looking up to. And this is a very different flip in roles. Mm. That that was surprising, I think. Gosh, I guess my experience is a little bit 
different well first I did not know Jason would ever go into ministry I always tell him like if I knew that I wouldn't have married you because that would have literally scared me (laughs) um but yes by God's grace it happened a year into our marriage um but I think he you know he started out more as the worship director and so I don't think there was I kind of got like a little intro into the life of being married to someone in ministry but Mm -hmm. I didn't have like I don't think there were as many like quote-unquote expectations of being a pastor's wife um but once I guess citizens you know started um I think just being like can I say this oh my gosh like so many people coming up to us or me or like I feel like they know so much about me but like Mm -hmm. you know I'm like oh I don't know who you are, (laughs) but like, I feel like so much of our life is like out there and on display. um, Mm -hmm. it like, it just like is surprising to me sometimes. And, um, I'm such an introvert. So like, you know, sometimes when people come to my church, I'm like, Oh my God, like I get anxiety. (laughs) Oh my God. I feel you. Eugene, edit this out. (laughs) (laughs) No, Um, I I feel you. Like I've, I told Eugene, like, there have been so many people that I have met for the first time in my own home yeah. that he's invited over. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, uh, like, who, who are they? What do I, like, you know, I, I'm such an introvert too. I'm, I'm like, not oh like this outgoing person that's yeah. going to be like, you know, that's not naturally me to just be all in the zone yeah. and be outgoing and all of that. But it's an effort. Yeah. Yeah, I think the visibility or just like, is that the right word? I don't know. But just like people like knowing who we are and then like coming up to me because they never used to come up to me really. But now I'm like, oh, hello. And I'm so (laughs) awkward. Like Jason says like he sees me on Sunday sometimes and he's like, you're so painful to watch. Like, (laughs) I'm like, I was like, I know. I like start sweating. I don't know what's wrong with me. But yeah. Yeah. That, Eugene will the, say that to me too. Yeah, I think I just didn't realize hmm. that, but yeah, for sure. Yeah, Eugene will be like, "I was, I was trying to get you over here to like introduce you to so and so," and I'm like, "Sorry, I didn't, <laughs> I didn't get that cue," and I'm also like just trying to survive. Yeah, <laughs> yes, for sure, for sure. So, like, if you guys were to think about the highs and lows of being a ministry wife what would you guys say are those highs and those lows um for me I think uh the highs really been I think like just seeing how the community that I was part of for a long time and obviously it's transformed a little bit after citizens but I think just seeing how much it's grown and how like the gospel really really does transform people's lives um has been really amazing to see just because I think because Jason is now in a role where he's meeting with people more one-on-one and we do counseling sessions together and just like hearing the stories um I feel like I never had as much exposure to that Mm -hmm. and so um I don't know the high is just really seeing our community come together and grow and um it's like a there's just I don't know how to explain it but I think that's been a high for me um just experiencing the community differently um, and a low, I would just say is just, I'm an introvert. So I think the bandwidth of like being around people, n- not, I love the people, but it's just, sometimes it's really hard, especially with kids. As you know, it's like, 
I think sometimes I have to be the caretaker while Jason is like, you know, talking to people, but then you also have to be present, you know, but make sure your kids are not destroying the house. Um, I don't know. Um, so I think I, the low is just really like, I, I've been pretty tired, um, Mm. past few years, but, um, yeah. Yeah. For me, similar, I think one of the benefits of being in ministry with Tom or, or being married to someone in ministry since his days as a college pastor, I've been able to like just build relationships with so many people, um, including Sylvia here since college days. And yeah, just thinking back, like all the relationships, um, the community, like Carol's talking about, and one that we've known for over a lot of a lot of people over 10 years, you know, I think just being able to have exposure to so many people and and grow together. That's a huge blessing. I'm not sure. Maybe we could have had that without necessarily being being in ministry. But I think Tom, you know, obviously, having a role in the church helps us connect to people. Mm -hmm. Um, And like you said earlier, I think, yeah, there are many times where um, people will come over to our house. And that's the first time I meet them. (laughs) I'm like, hello, welcome to our house. Nice to meet you. You know, so and vulnerable. It is a, yeah, like, oh, like, gosh, that's, yeah, very intimate, very fast, but mm-hmm. um, breaks the ice right mm-hmm. away. And For so sure. like, you know, like, that's a pretty quick way to just get to know new people. Um, so and I'm actually more of an extrovert, although over time, I've become more introvert, but I do enjoy and appreciate like, meeting people. So for me, it's a win. Um, but yeah, definitely lows. I mean, yeah, like, as moms it's exhausting um and particular like um tom is just busy like busy uh in the evenings a lot of times busy on sundays for sure um so like being married to a pastor um means yeah being the caretaker a lot of times while he's hosting um yeah having to just take care of the things in the background so that he could do what he needs to do Mm -hmm. um and I, I don't know about you guys, but I feel like the weekly schedule is like pretty different than like the typical household where mm-hmm. like most families, I think, look forward to the weekend is like <laughs> spend time together. Um, but I feel like a lot of times that's not the case. Like it just continues on. And so um, I do feel like it's hard sometimes to find a good healthy rhythm where I can look forward to a kind of a change of pace in our Mm -hmm. day-to-day week-to-week schedule instead of just always being the caretaker, you know? So, Mm -hmm. um, for me, that's probably the biggest challenge. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I think like, you know, as you're sharing that, I, I was thinking how, don't you feel like sometimes your husband is like an on-call doctor or something mm-hmm. like he's it's just always always around the clock always on yeah. always talking to someone communicating with someone um it's like never ending mm-hmm. so yeah I totally get that the there have been so many times where I've thought man like why why aren't we in like a nine to five like we don't get to enjoy the the structure as much as other people get to you know um mm-hmm. i think like people don't really realize how when you're in ministry it's really just like you're always on it's it's not like it turns off 
Um, but I mean, I think opposite of that, though, um, one of the biggest blessings for me has been to see the love that our community has for our family. Mm-hmm. And so I think I think as pastors um, and just, you know, pastor families, um, you you tend to get that care from your community in a very special way um, than others do. And I mm-hmm. think to receive that kind of um, that love and care for from other people um, has been such a huge blessing. And then, you know, our kids are so loved. So when they go to church, they love going to church because they get to see all the aunties and uncles that love on them and mm-hmm. they get all that attention. Um, but I think it, it's very telling of like our community and just how they um, have our back you know our backs that way so um i think that's pretty cool what would you guys um say is something that you wish people would know about being a pastor's wife it's so funny my uh when we're in philly um our pastor's wife i still keep in touch with her she sent me an email so she's part of um oh gosh it's like pca like uh gosh pastor's wives it's like a paracaleo i think that's what it's Mm. called um but she is on that board i think and uh she sent out an email just to like all of like the pastor's wives she knew and it was this question like what would you what are your experiences Mm -hmm. and like what um do you have to share and so i saw this question before the pod and i was like okay I'm going to read a few, if that's okay. Mm, yeah, <laughs> go I for it. it was, um, so these are insights, not just from Asian American women, but I think just across all ethnicities. But um, some of them like have been married to pastors for like over 40 years, some just starting into it. But um, one person said, sometimes the pastor's wife doesn't have a pastor nor a husband when her husband needs to go pastor someone else, mm-hmm. which is like, oh, yeah, I felt that one. Um and then um, said, being a pastor's wife should be the same as being a plumber's wife. A plumber's wife is not expected to show up and help him put in a new toilet for free. She is expected to support and love him in his trade. And when I think about it like this, I feel a lot of freedom to say no and to serve in ways that fit my capacity as a church member, not as a pastor's wife. So it's like, those were just like a few of the things that I heard, but um, I did want to share that with you. Oh, I can forward so you the true. email later, but it's like, oh, I wish I knew like some of these things to like maybe help prepare. I mean, you can't really prepare yourself, you know. It's kind of like you kids. don't know. It's like, you're are you ready? I'm like, <laughs> yes, I'm ready. No, you have no idea what it's gonna be like, you know. <laughs> so, but like, I think just hearing some of like the older women who have been mm-hmm. in this for a while, it's like, oh. Like they do experience it too. And like, it's not just me feeling like on an island, but um, yeah, just wanted to share a few of those. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Yeah, it's very relatable. I think, um, I think people don't realize how, like if you wanna know someone who's gone through loneliness, probably talk to your pastor's wife. Because I'm sure she's experienced loneliness. Yeah. I think that um, it's, I think there's so many great things about being in ministry, but I think 
there's also times where it can be such a um, isolating and lonely place to be because the struggles are just so different than what other members are experiencing in the church and so yeah I mean you don't have a pastor in the same capacity that other members do um, and you're married to your pastor <laughs> so <laughs> it's it's very it's very different um and you often feel like a lot of the struggles that you do go through that you can't perhaps share as honestly with your church members um especially if it's something regarding your marriage it's like how do you share that with wisdom and discern um, discernment of not you know like being honest and transparent um, and seeking counsel, but at the same time, being wise about protecting your husband and his ministry. And so I think in, I mean, that's just one example, but I think there's so many times where I have felt like, oh, I don't, I don't have anyone that I can really share that with. Um, and so, yeah, I think if I were to share with someone what it's like to be a pastor's wife I think like they'd be surprised to know how lonely it can be at times mm-hmm. yeah for sure I think that really resonates with me um one of the characteristics of our marriage is that we're constantly almost like trying to one-up each other in terms of <laughs> who's more stressed <laughs> <laughs> It's like a constant battle between us, um, an unspoken battle. And it's true, right? Like as moms, like every mom could relate. It's hard. It's stressful and it's tiring. And so for me as a mom, like I feel like no duh, like my job is the hardest, you know, like every day is hard juggling kids. It's stressful. I've had a long day, like take the kids. But Tom, on his end, it's like ministry life is hard, it's stressful, it's tiring, and it doesn't end at a certain point of the day, it goes to, you know, the night. And so, like, I think for us, it's, I don't know if people realize, but yeah, like, I think that's the part I would say is, again, another challenge, but maybe something that's not so clear is that we're both so stretched thin that it's hard to for me to like support Tom in the way that he would need. Like sometimes he feels discouraged and he needs encouragement or support or someone to listen to. And I want to do that, but I'm so tired. Like, Mm. and I want someone to support and encourage and listen to me. Um, So yeah, I think that's, it's difficult. It's difficult to feel like we have the capacity to help each other, even though we want to, you know? Mm Um, We're both stretched thin. So there's that. Um, But like you said, you know, I think a common one is trying to figure out like how much can I share this with someone else in the church? Um, So I think because of that, yeah, I do feel sometimes pretty lonely um, trying to figure out how to navigate through some of the the things that are there, Um, particularly like the things that Tom shares with me, you know, like Mm -hmm. where he feels um maybe this might not be the best thing to share with someone else outside you know so 
I just sometimes I, I tell him like, don't tell me, but then I know you need to tell me. And you know, there's that mm -hmm. tension. I'm like, oh, this yeah. is really discouraging. But <laughs> yeah, sometimes I find myself in that place like, oh gosh, I don't know what to do with this information, you know? So mm -hmm. yeah. 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 It's, it's like an interesting place to be because on one hand, people are like, so what's the plans? Like, you know, what's going on with the church right? We're like, I mean, we're not the pastor. Like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. What, <laughs> I don't know what the plans are. Uh, but at, like on in hindsight, it's there. There is this place of, you know, you're kind of exposed to some of the, the drama in the background or the politics in the background and mm -hmm. um, whatever it, it is. Right. And, and it can be very discouraging um, to be exposed to all of that and not know what to do with that. Um, and so there's, there's so much grace that you have to extend. Um, for me, like, I think one of the hardest things about being a pastor's wife is listening to your husband's preaching and then <laughs> forgive him for not being that person. <laughs> <laughs> Because you guys, you guys know, right? Like you, yeah. you've listened to sermons and people are like, wow, that's so great. Like he must be such a great guy. And then you're like, but you don't do any of those things. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know they're preaching to themselves, but uh, yeah. 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 And, and then I, I really like, I, I genuinely wrestle with that sometimes. It's like, oh, I have to remember that he is a messenger of the word and it, he's not proclaiming that he is a perfect person <laughs> up there. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. When we like, when, I think when he first started like um, preaching on like a weekly basis, which was like a muscle he had to learn, mm -hmm. like, I feel like the enemy was really attacking us because we would fight Saturday night, every Saturday night. And it just mm -hmm. put him in like a, you know, and I just was like, okay, there's like, we really needed to like recenter and just like, I was like, it just really affects him and I, just seeing him up there like like we're making eye contact and he's preaching and I was like like I mean we, we've definitely like gotten much better but um <laughs> yes I remember those days and then I would just sometimes just sit outside on the bench it's like I can't I can't even look at him right now <laughs> but yeah yeah I mean if you think about it it makes sense that um we are gonna be very vulnerable to mm -hmm. um that spiritual warfare is yeah. going to be very real because we're kind of front and center right in that position. And so, um, I definitely forget that a lot sure. of the times. Yeah. Um, something that, um, I, I don't know if you guys listened to like a couple episodes ago, um, the guys did an episode on why pastors fall. And I'm sure you guys have heard from the past couple years, just of like all of these local pastors, celebrity pastors falling. And the guys have discussed this um, pretty extensively in their podcast. But what do you, what comes to mind for you guys as a wife of a pastor? Um, just as you like, as you hear these things and as it's happening, like in our circles. Yeah, it's been pretty sad, pretty shocking and discouraging to hear mm -hmm. of all the bad news these days. Um, 
Yeah, in particular, I have been trying to pay attention to the pastor's wives involved in, in some of these scandals. And it's so interesting, like lately, I've noticed a pattern that it seems and this is just again, an outside observation may not mm. be true as I do not know the inside details. But it just I get the sense that a lot of the wives Sad to say, this is just my observation, but I, they're not as shocked or disturbed or hindered by mm-hmm. some of these terrible things that are happening. Mm-hmm. And I, I think if I put myself in their shoes, I would be so pissed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I'll be so pissed. And I just don't know if I could forgive or I don't know if I could support and continue on with my husband. And so it just makes me question and wonder, like, what's going on there? Mm-hmm. You know, like, is there something that they're covering up? Is there something that they wrestled with and just kept to themselves? I don't know. You know, it just makes me wonder, like, because. Mm-hmm. And, and then it scares me as a pastor's wife. Like, right now, I could say I'd be pissed and I would, you know, like not go along with it but who knows like down the line like who knows if we're not vigilant or if like bitterness towards the church sets in or bitterness towards other people sets in and i'm just like all about being loyal to my husband like i could easily Mm -hmm. become a person who's like covering up and and just doing what it takes to you know protect our family i just so to me again it just makes me think like dude anyone the pastor is susceptible, a pastor's wife is susceptible, anyone, you know, mm-hmm. so just, I don't know, it just makes me feel like, oh, I need to be on guard, like, I need to be very careful to make sure that, one, we're, like, open with our struggles, we're open with the community, um, as open as we can be to make sure we have accountability and friendship and support, um, otherwise, like, who knows, like, what could be going on behind closed doors, you know, so... Yeah, I agree. I think every time I hear it, I'm just like, like, Jason, don't. I can't. Not, like, not another one, you know. But I do think of, like, the wives and, like, just, like, if they have children, it's just like, oh, my gosh. You know, it's, like, so heartbreaking that there's already, you know, a lot of pressure and, some, you know, oftentimes, like, you are visible and then just to have something like that. It's not just, like, between you and your husband. Like, if it affects the kids, like, it's just so... It, it like really breaks my heart and what I I was talking to Jason about this and I was just like it's really sad because like like we've been saying like especially for the wives it can be really lonely it's like what if there are struggles that they're going through but who can you share that with like as you know I feel like I'm blessed that I have like a close group of girls like that I knew before Jason came into the role and like they love us both so it's like you know I feel like they're fighting for our marriage but it's like if you don't have people fighting for your marriage and for your relationship with your husband um like it's so easy you know it, it can happen to anyone and so I think it for me it breaks my heart that like they didn't maybe they couldn't share but was there anyone in the community who saw it that, you know, did they know their pastor and their family well enough? Like, did they really know them and see them to intervene? Like, if they're in a situation and it's getting somewhere, maybe people can intervene and have them step down and do counseling or something, you know, before it can get to that point. Um, I don't know. I just, 
it, all these things go through my head and it's like it's just really sad that um like I yeah I don't know I don't know the situation or the backstory but that's like one thing I think about is like maybe they didn't have a group of people that could like be there fighting for their marriage and their relationship to so that they could pastor the mm-hmm. church well yeah yeah I mean, I think um, it kind of goes to show how important it is to have community um, surrounding you. Yeah, I I mean, I also think, um, like you, Lena, like no one is susceptible to it. I think just because someone is a pastor doesn't make them... Um, incapable of sinning um, or falling I think it's a very unique role to be in where someone's ego can grow very big if you don't keep it in check and I think um, a pastor needs to be very intentional about surrounding himself with people who are going to keep him in check and um be that person to um speak truth into his life when he needs it and I think it's really easy for a pastor and his family to be the one just kind of like in the background not being as vulnerable um and transparent with their struggles with their community but I think we need to be that right we need to have that um for our sake too so yeah I mean as I hear these news it's sad to say that the more that it happens I'm becoming more numb to it and it's like oh another one um but at the same time like yeah my heart breaks for them too um just seeing how I don't know like that affects not just you and your family, but like your community and your church too. And I think that, yeah, it's just so sad. Mm. Moving on. <clears throat> Let's talk about um, what your guys' thoughts are with the Asian American church in particular. Or maybe, yeah, all three of us are part of predominantly Korean American, right? Korean American churches. Um, do you guys feel that our Asian American church has done a good job discipling women? I feel like growing up, I would say no. Like just my personal experience, which mm-hmm. is why I feel like I had like a really, like a struggle with the church growing up. I was really turned off, I think, and it made me more like fight the patriarchy and just like <laughs> you're oppressing women, all, all of that. So I had to really like unpack a lot of that later in life. Um, so for me, I can only, I only remember like that time in my life. And then like, maybe like since coming, like right before I came to LA, like uh, a year, but like right when we got married almost, I feel like my experience with the Asian American church um was much different like I had a different perspective but um I don't know I think this generation has been a lot of like a lot of people had to go through healing from Mm -hmm. just 
I would say, of the Asian American experience. Um, and I also feel like our Asian culture was so tied, well, okay, my experience, was the Asian culture was tied to you being, like, a good Christian, if that makes sense. Like, you know, um, you know, being obedient and not too vocal or pushing back, like, and, you know, following all of these rules, like, that, and that makes you, like, a very good Christian woman. And I was like, oh, I must be, like, such a sinner and I cannot be a Christian because like that's just like not how I'm wired um and it just felt so difficult for me to um fit into that but I feel like um through a lot of the healing and the women mentors in my life um I've been really trying to figure out like what my what God's gifted me with and bringing that into a space to help disciple women and um share more about my faith and with that honesty, I think it's been able to open up a lot of relationships in ways that, like, like I don't, like, I could never be, like, I don't know, like, just being who I am and how the way, like, God's, like, wired me has really um, allowed me to, I guess, I don't know, in my relationships, I guess, change the way, like, um, I see faith and do faith, I guess, um, and ministry at citizens so I don't know <laughs> yeah for me I would say like college young adult the church that I was at I did actually have like a few older women who really poured into my life um yeah I'm like really grateful for them and so I think they did form me in, in a lot of ways in my spiritual journey and so I think there's been some good positive role models and experiences with that. Um, I don't know what happened in the last few years. I feel like some of that has been lost. Um, our church went through some changes. And so I think, um, yeah, I think a lot of our older women kind of had left um, over the years. And so I think with the loss of some of our older women that I culture of discipleship amongst our women has kind of dissipated mm -hmm. and so actually we've been like trying to discuss ways where we could kind of reinvigorate it but what carol was saying too i i, I appreciate this journey of discipleship and i do think it's been present but i think there's more like i think the time and the moment that we're in like there's so much more to like dig into and like what you're saying like is this our faith is this a faith issue or is this like our culture like what's the difference what does that look like because mm -hmm. for me like I'm so used to just taking things at face value oh yeah this is what I'm used to this is what the church did like this is the way we to fight sin oh just read your bible yada yada that of course the bible is important <laughs> um but I think it is wise to consider other factors that might be involved in how some women can grow and like women are so diverse it's we're not meant to be this cookie cutter person so we don't want everyone to look the same but the idea of trying to be diverse a diverse people a diverse women while still being strong spiritually like i think that's still something that we haven't fully tapped into especially amongst asian american women Mm -hmm. So I'm very curious, like, I don't particularly know myself either. I'm still learning and I want to learn more, but I do think there is this huge question mark over 
our generation of Asian American women, what does that look like to be faithful, you know, in this day and age? And so I think my hope is like, that's the type of discipleship we will grow into eventually, but we definitely need a lot of wisdom to do that. Yeah. I definitely feel like it's a very lacking component of our Asian American church. Um, I just don't think that there is much of this culture of seeking nor receiving mentorship anymore. Um, or just, I don't know, at least feels that way. And I don't know if, I was gonna say, I don't know if the pandemic is what kind of like disrupted that, but I think even before that I was noticing, and I don't know if it's part of, yeah, like you said, just like our culture and, you know, our society tells us to live for ourselves and that we need to have our own backs and um, live our own lives. And I think I'm afraid that some of us have really taken that to heart, um, really living for ourselves in our own lives and not pouring into other people um, or even seeking that out from others. So I'm seeing how it seems like a lot more younger people these days aren't looking out for um, opportunities to be discipled by um, other women in their church. Um, I don't really see that happening these days, but I also don't see a lot of the older women stepping up. And I think it's, um, it's a very interesting place I think we're at right now because as the Asian American community is growing in the church, I think we're all expecting to receive that ourselves, but not be it for anyone else. It seems like we're kind of like, and now our generation is hitting the mark of we're like in our 30s, 40s, reaching 50s, and we need to be the ones discipling these other women in the church, but we're just kind of still stuck in that mental place of I'm waiting to be poured into by other people. Mm-hmm. So I think, and I think that's, you know, in different seasons, we should be, both should be happening, right, in some capacity in your life. Um, but yeah, I think that's, I don't see it happening much right now in the church. Yeah. I was also like, when did I become the older woman? Right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, yeah. I'm like, oh, but I'm not going to go to college anymore. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think, uh, gosh, I feel really like uh, insecure about my lack of like knowledge and like theology and all of that stuff. So I think um, when people like, this is prior, like maybe like a few years ago, like discipleship, I was like, oh God, I'm like in no place to do that. Like if people mm-hmm. are going to come to me and like be like, what verse do I need to look at to like for what I'm going through? I'd be like, I like, don't call me. Like I, I, I can't walk <laughs> you through that. But you know, I think, I feel like, um, as I've, I guess it just happened more organically and I didn't know it was discipleship. Um, like, I have come to appreciate the effort that like a lot of the women in our church have been trying to do with, I guess, intergenerational discipleship, which really means like, I guess, like friendship and getting to like 
build a relationship. I think discipleship, like I was always like, oh God, I, I can't do that. But, you know, um, through my experiences and just like, uh, you know, talking about faith and life, it it's actually discipleship and like, mm-hmm. you know, just trying to like grow closer to, um, I guess like a Christ-centered relationship and friendship. Um, like I, I didn't realize like, I'm actually afraid of like the college students. I always tell them that. I'm like, I don't know about you. Like you guys come in at the 12 o'clock service in a group. And like, I'm so nervous to even like make eye contact with you. But we recently had like a college group panel and like, they're just like so sweet and like eager and like, they're afraid of me. They think I'm like the pastor's wife. I'm like, oh my gosh, like, I don't even know what that means. Like, what does that mean to you? But like, I think just, um, we've just, I feel like a lot of the women have just been trying to, um, cross-pollinate I guess like even from like youth group like the teenagers to like the college students like young adults like post-college and like the moms um and like you said it I think sometimes the older women do have to step up because we are the ones who have the car like especially in LA and the homes to invite them over but like it's really about like making that first step but we've started incorporating it a little bit more and um like, not that I have, like, a, a lot, but, like, I, I have, like, a few, like, I guess, like, tongsangs who, like, are, I feel very close to, and, like, um, just when they share, I guess, vulnerably, like, it is, I'm, like, I can't believe, like, you see me like that in your life, like, it feels very odd to me, but um, I think it is, I'm speaking more to like a lot of the moms that I know, like the families. I know like with newborns, it can be very hard, but like, I think we have a lot to offer, but like we might not realize it because we might not know what like discipleship can like look like. But I think it, if we, so I do challenge a lot of the moms. I'm like, why don't we invite some of the college students over or like, you know, Mm -hmm. the post-college grads, like, you know, they're going, it's like a, messy stage in life and you know it can be confusing I think just being like a voice of like hearing them listening to them is like kind of like a start to like I guess like a strong relationship that can form and they are seeking that it's just hard to ask for it sometimes Mm -hmm. but I've seen that and um like the staff and like just some of the volunteers and I'm like really encouraged because like I'm not part of like the women's ministry that they started I was like yes let's do it and I got really tired and I'm like so I'm like I'm so sorry <laughs> like you know I didn't make it out to any of the meetings but like seeing what they're doing I'm like so encouraged and I think it's awesome and so I hope we can like you know kind of continue with that intergenerational um discipleship and relationships within like our communities yeah. I, I feel like like maybe it's because so many more of like our generation women are working women um and so the the time that they feel like they have to offer is so limited right Mm -hmm. and so it's like you know you have a job you have a family Uh, if you're a mom especially if you're a mom of a newborn it's like your time is very precious to you right but I, Mm i i fear that so often we tend to um, use like those 
seasons of our life as just a Mm -hmm. cop-out when we can there are ways to pour into people there are ways to share life with each other and it could be as simple as like hey i'm gonna go run an errand at target do you want to just hang out and walk around target with me (laughs) you know um just very little things um but yeah i would i want to encourage young moms of young children um and just anyone who feels like they're too busy for it or they don't or if they feel inadequate for it it's like it's you're just sharing life with each other and there's little pockets that you can find here and there to to pour into other people Mm -hmm. i have a question for you girls Mm -hmm. do you in particular carol because you're sharing about like intergenerational um discipleship do you guys have like like a women's ministry that kind of initiates those connections with younger women, older women, or is it more organic? Like how do you guys go about doing that? Um, so our community life director, um, she's like one of my best friends. Like even before she I think was on staff, we were always like, we really need women's ministry. We really, like I was hearing it from everyone and I was like, yes, let's do it. She did it. Um, she, you know, she it was very intentional. Though, it was like for, um, she did reach out to a group, a handful of women, and they, I think they started like during the pandemic, and they had, um, you know, prayer like gatherings and intentional meetups to discuss what they envisioned, you know, like women's ministry to look like at our church. Um, but really, they were just doing life together, and they're like, you know, just to get to know each other as well, and. Um, I think it's like a year later now, like they're really starting to put things into motion and everything is so intentional. And so they, she um, reached out to a few different women in different life stages. So I think that they, and they are, they, yeah, yeah, different life stages. And so recently, um, you know, the post-college grad was like, I want to have a panel with the women in college ministry and so like it was a panel of like post like old I was the oldest one oh my gosh um like (laughs) older women and just like speaking to them about like life and just whatever questions they had and then we've had like prayer um like prayer nights and like worship meetings and I think because there are a lot of like young moms as well like it's hard to coordinate but um we do have a core team that meets um I don't know if it's weekly or monthly basis um, to kind of spearhead that, but it was a year in the making and we're going to have our first women's retreat in July, which is like really exciting. And I'm like, yeah, really proud of them. But yeah. We also have a women's ministry at our church, which is probably just as old as you guys mm-hmm. at citizens. We also started in the pandemic um and then after we came back we kind of like picked things back up um but our women's ministry we don't have a um particular like program that we have put into place for mentorship or discipleship in in, like specific um so any that is happening has just been happening organically um so we haven't put those things in place but we have um what we've been doing at our church is um, making sure that we're a place where we can equip women in in the word and um, specifically give opportunities of learning um, within our 
community of women and also um, provide opportunities where people can meet um, and fellowship. And so I think more specifically in those um, arenas of our Bible studies happening um, every few weeks, I think a lot of women have been able to meet each other there and create friendships there organically. Um, but yeah, no uh, specific like, here's your mentor or like, mm-hmm. here's your discipleship group, like nothing like that, um, at least until now. So like nothing yet, but yeah, that's definitely something that we do think about. Um, but yeah, how about you guys? Yeah, I think for our church, um, we used to have a women's ministry, um, but again, our church went through some changes, so we do not have one uh, officially, and we haven't had one for a few years now, but I think a lot of the women of our church have been like just talking about the need to not necessarily have a specific ministry, but to have opportunities to minister to women or Mm -hmm. to one another, so um, there are a few women starting to get together to just start talking mm-hmm. and even asking questions and figuring out like, um, the wise course of action. Um, mm-hmm. and yeah, I think it's tough because like our church, we're pretty young, the older women, yeah, myself included, <laughs> we are like capped at 40 is like the oldest, you know, mm-hmm early 40s and then like a lot of 30s so to me it's it is a little strange concept to consider like the older women you're 40 and you're ministering to the younger women 30 like or 20 (laughs) you know like that's not much of a gap not you know it's not that different so I think the idea of older women teaching younger women's definitely something we are trying to explore and consider like how can we do that in our church setting because every church is a little different mm-hmm. um but we're hoping by god's grace within the next year or so we could at least like kind of get the ball rolling and just i think have a place where we could just meet women because that's where my question was like gosh what do we what can we do where we could like get the young women, the older women in one space together where they even like know Mm -hmm. each other's names or even have a conversation because that's where it begins, right? Like, so I think that's what in our church, that's probably where we need to start. Yeah. I mean, in light of that, what do you guys um, feel are like other areas in the church that women in particular need to grow in? So at our church, um, so when we um, kind of like revamped our women's ministry a couple years ago, um, we we basically had like a, a vision meeting of um, really just kind of like laying out what do we, what do we want this ministry to be? Where do we want it to go? And how is it going to serve the women of our church, right? Like, what is the purpose of it? Like, let's let's not have a women's ministry for the sake of having a women's ministry, but like, we need to have a clear vision and purpose in mind for us to exist and also for us to be like a blessing to the people of our church, right? So <clears throat> one of the things that um, we saw was a huge need, um, even now, 
is this this whole thing with our Bible literacy. Like I we I don't know. Like I I read a book um, a couple years ago that kind of changed my whole perspective on this. And I've I've always been um, I've always felt very like inadequate to 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 talk about the Bible or um, Carol like like you like if someone were like where should I look in the Bible or what does this mean I'd be like oh, I don't know I'm not the one who went to seminary <laughs> you know right um, but I mean I don't I don't think we need to be that though I think we are capable of learning and I think what's alarming right now in my perspective I think what's alarming in our generation is that people don't know their Bibles and I think we rely on our pastors on the pulpit and podcasts and books and I think we're less and less knowledgeable of scripture and what it says and so our women's ministry we really wanted to embed that in our vision of um, let's really equip the women in the word let's let's not just say hey you guys should be doing your devos every day and your quiet times with God, but let's actually equip them with tools and learn how do I even read scripture? Like what even is the grand narrative of the Bible? Um, and give them these tools so that they know how to read and study the Bible on their own, right? And then from there, it kind of like passes on to the, the women that they're meeting with and whatnot, right? So that's why we've been offering so many opportunities of for Bible studies to happen in our church because we felt like that was such a huge need that needed to be met. And so um, it's been really cool, I think, for me to, to witness that as someone who also serves on our women's ministry, um, to see that when you raise the bar high, and you give women these opportunities to learn and reach that bar, there are going to be people who are going to be able to do that, that are willing to do that. Um, and so it's been really cool to see like women who are just hungry for the word, um, who are willing to give up an hour of their week to meet up together, to, to discuss scripture together. Um, and so, yeah, that's, that's like one area that comes to mind for me. Are there any other areas that you guys can think of? Um, I feel like, gosh, I'm not on the core team. So just from my observation, I feel like one of the things that like, just as like a, like if not just specific to women, but like, you know, for people in our church who, if they want to do something, we're always like, you do it, you know, like you can do it. You don't always have to come to the staff. And so I think specifically what I've seen in the women's ministry, it was like, um, yeah, it's like the women who prayed and met intentionally on like what they wanted this to be, like everything that they really wanted, like Hannah is like on staff, but like she's empowered, like these women who are just members of the church to make it happen. You organize it you reach out to all of these other women, you follow up with them. What do you want the curriculum to be? What do you want like the, um, 
the theme and vision for our retreat to look like. And like just hearing from it from Jason and like Hannah, it's just like they are stepping up. You know, there are a group of people who will step up if they're given the opportunity. And I think um, like we're at least in the women's ministry, like empowering the women to like show them what leadership looks like and like your leader, like, you know, this is like in your hands to like really um, raise up the women's ministry. And, you know, I think it's so encouraging for them to like see the women who are coming out and like um, committed and just like the younger faces too. So I think, um, yeah, I think it's just about really empowering them and showing them like that, what leadership can look like and how to raise up more leaders like within like the women's ministry i think for our women i would wish that we would first be a little bit more intentional um and with each other and just if we're proclaiming to be christians i i think there's just a lack of spiritual talk there's a lack of god-centeredness um lack of even asking questions and being curious about faith um yeah i just i i think it's almost a point of awkwardness like if you get into a conversation with someone and you were to ask like oh how are you doing spiritually or like what can i pray for like that might be awkward you know so i think to me that indicates that our depth of faith is pretty shallow like it's not very deep um and so i think a good starting point is what you said sylvia about just starting to like read our bibles um i think just generally speaking most of us don't really know how to read our bibles intentionally and and consistently um our church recently started like a church-wide um thing of formation groups where we're like in small groups to just read and i think that's been helpful to do that together but I think um, just for that to be like infused organically into the culture of our church and our women, like that's personally what I would hope for. And I think I think that would make a huge difference, like um, because someone had said in our formation group recently, which I thought was very insightful, like as you read, like, you know, the more you read, like that's literally god's voice becoming louder and louder and louder you know like Mm -hmm. we wonder like i can't hear god's voice but no if you read like you're gonna start hearing his voice in your head and that's the whole point of reading and so i think that would be a great desire of mine to see the women including myself to have that kind of desire to like really dig deep and and to let the word not just stay at knowledge obviously but for us to start like just yeah really maturing and growing mm-hmm. and um having those kinds of deep relationships with each other where faith and life like converge you know like come mm-hmm. together so yeah yeah hopefully one day um jen wilgen has this quote that i might be butchering right now but she says something like along the lines of how our hearts cannot love what we don't know right? What? Oh, no. Our hearts cannot love what our mind does not know. And so it's, I see that we are paying attention and being formed by what's on social media, what's 
on the TV, what's, you know, people are saying, um, being formed by people at work, at school. But so much of that formation is not coming from scripture that it's no wonder, right? And so I feel like we really cannot understand and make meaning of our own narratives if we are not filling ourselves with the narrative that's within scripture first, right? And so it's like, as we are learning and understanding who God is and um, our purpose in this life, um, we, we're not going to be able to make sense of the suffering that we're going through, um, whatever, whatever it is, right? And so... Yeah, I mean, I, I I really want to encourage churches to invest in that. Um, teach your women how to study the Bible. Don't just preach the Bible, but teach them how to study it so that they can take that and run with it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um so, I mean, for, for me personally, I've always struggled with that. Like, you know, I, I came from, I went to um, church as a child, but then during my youth group years, I was gone from church and then kind of like came back to the church um, like senior year of high school. Mm-hmm. And so my the experience I had like was little pockets of VBS here and there. And that was like the extent of my, my Bible knowledge. And so I was almost kind of embarrassed. Like when people would talk about like in college and young adult life, like let's play Bible taboo. That gave me like legit anxiety. I'm like, I don't know my Bible. Bible <laughs> let's not play that game. Um, I'm going to make a fool out of myself. But I mean, that, that kind of just, um, showed me how much I needed to catch up with my learning and um, be equipped. And I really kind of, I came to a place where I was like, oh, how come, like, I don't, I don't know this. And then, you know, I, when I'm listening to the preaching, let's not just take their, their word for face value, but actually know, like, that's, that's accurate or, you know, Mm -hmm. be able to, to know that ourselves. Um, But yeah, and as we've done that in our church for the last couple of years, I can honestly say, like, I've been so incredibly blessed to be able to be in that space with the women of our church. Um, And I, for one, know if I'm doing that by myself, um, I'm not going to be, like, reading. (laughs) Like, there's no accountability. I I really, really believe that um, the Bible is meant to be read in community. And so I think when we have other women that we can do that with, there's so much fruit that can come from that. I really think so. Yeah. Um, I, I co-lead, or at the time, I was co-leading a, a women's uh, community group that mm-hmm. we meet at my house, and we were doing the Book of Ruth, like the whole season. And so it was just really, when I would kind of debrief with Jason it's just like I feel like the perspective from like the women's because there's only I think there were only like two women's community groups out of all of them and it's just a little bit different than like some feedback he gets from the other groups because there's just like a different perspective and just um yeah I don't know it it was 
it was such a good uh, book for us to go through during the season. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, I agree. Just reading the word and um, diving into it was great. To close our um, time together, what would you guys advise um, other pastors or leaders about these blind spots in in whatever this area, um, in their ministry? Um, what kind of word of advice would you guys leave them with? Hear from women. <laughs> Don't assume. You know, like if you want to know what women are thinking, go ask some women Mm -hmm. Um, and don't just have them be visible on stage doing things. (laughs) Don't just, you know, um, yeah, like give them tasks to do, but like actually be inquisitive, um, ask lots of questions. And in fact, I think one thing that's gone well that Tom did for our church was he opened a meeting up with women and then did not say anything throughout. (laughs) He just listened. That was the best thing he could do, you know? Um, I think that's a good starting point. I don't think that's all of it. um, But even for me, like being in a room of diverse women, I'm constantly learning. I'm like, whoa, you think that way? I didn't, you know, I didn't even consider that. And so like just women talking to other women, men hearing on the conversation. um, I think that's a good starting point to really start considering like this is what half of your church is thinking. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, Yeah, I think that might be a good starting point. Definitely a difference from when I see a predominantly all male staff versus like, you know, our staff today, which is like more than half are women and how their perspective and voice really shapes how we even run Sunday ops to the curriculum we want to, you know, do and like just, just every aspect of our like community. Um, they like so much was not represented, I feel like prior. And I think it, has made such a difference to um like benefit our community so i don't know i think having women on staff um and also um to hear their voice not just hear but like take action on what they're saying is important too Mm. with wisdom obviously but yeah 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 i i think i would also say give women a seat at the table um, listen to what they have to say um, and respect them, value them. I think one way that you can see what your church is, what a church values is where they invest their money in, right? And so I think if they want to invest in women um, and really equip them to be able to be good teachers and disciplers um, within your community, you know, send them to opportunities where they can learn and be equipped, Um, you know, give them, give them opportunities to learn and um, be able to dialogue with other women um, from other churches and other organizations so that they can continue to bring that and spread that throughout your church 
Um, but yeah, I think, I think churches should, um, empower their women more, um, give them more platforms to be able to, um, yeah, not just have a seat at the table, but to, to be able to grow and flourish and, and, um, meet the potential that they can. Um, and yeah, I, I feel like there's so much that we have to offer. And mm-hmm. I think a lot of women, um, in our Asian American context don't know how to be that right now. I think we're kind of like in this weird limbo stage of like, I want to have a seat and I, I, I know I have a voice, but I'm not sure how to voice myself. Right. Cause we've kind of just been so silent. Mm-hmm. We're so used to being silent and passive that I think, um, we need to really give women permission to, to speak mm-hmm. and, um, dialogue with each other. Yeah, I think that's actually a really important point is that we're as Asian uh, women, we're not used to like just taking the lead. So mm-hmm. I do think like it doesn't stop at just, oh, yeah, OK, women, you have a seat at the table now, you know, you have equal power, but rather actually the men have to do a little bit more work in like encouraging and like pushing and supporting mm-hmm. The women to speak or to lead or to do x y and z because it's just not gonna happen naturally like i think right. like what you just said it's it's hard like even though women want to do certain things um we're so used to yeah being silent so i think there's that extra push and extra step that's probably going to be needed for for a while mm-hmm. for sure all right well We'll wrap it up right here, but it was really good talking to you guys. Let's chat again. I don't know if they'll have us back on, but (laughs) maybe we'll create our just kidding. (laughs) We won't create our own podcast. We're not going to do that. Like Jason just peeked. He's like, you're still on. (laughs) I I can hear like Eugene just like lurking around. Like (laughs) I saw Tom like opening the door back there. Checking in. <laughs> they, they gave us these mics, but they don't really trust us. 